2 Corinthians chapter 4 is where we're going to be this morning. If you have your Bibles, turn there, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. If you don't have a Bible, the words will be on the screen. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, starting in verse 1. Second Corinthians chapter 4. It's going to be our text this morning. And I told him I was going to preach for 20 minutes. Preach, I mean, time's starting now. Preachers, it's hard, y'all. It's hard, but we're going to do it. Second Corinthians. <laughs> Here we go. Verse 1. Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. But we have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word. But by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of the darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God and the face of Jesus Christ. This is the word of the Lord. Growing up, I did not listen to a lot of comedians, but there was one comedian that really resonated with me, and I think it's because he understood the culture that I grew up in, he understood my people, and that comedian was Jeff Foxworthy. And he famously had the you might be a redneck bit. You might remember these jokes. He said, you know, if people come to your house regularly thinking you're having a yard sale, you might be a redneck. If your two-year-old has more teeth than you do, you might be a redneck. If you've ever made change in the offering plate, you might be a redneck. Somebody's guilty over here. If you go to the family reunion looking for a date, you might be a redneck. You know, the list goes on and on. And the reason those are so funny for me and sounds like for you is because they kind of identify the marks of redneck culture. We are a church with a rich legacy. We spent the first part this morning hearing all about what this church has meant to people, uh, the impact this church has had for the kingdom of God, and there is no doubt this church has a rich legacy. But if we are going to have a bright future, if the best days are still ahead of us, we don't need to know the marks of a redneck, but we must know and identify what are the marks of a church with a bright future. What are the marks of a church that has a bright future? I believe we've come to this moment, this moment 50 years in the making, and we stand here not by ourselves, but on the shoulders of many who have come before us. We are standing in fields plowed and seeded and watered by others, and now it is our job to continue building on the rich legacy of Fellowship Baptist Church. And I think this text, Paul lays out for us what I think are five marks of a church with a bright future. So let's see what those are. Number one, a church with a bright future is a church that does not give up. A church with a bright future is a church that doesn't give up. Verse 1 said, therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. We do not lose heart. 
Paul writes this because when the Corinthian church was going through some hard times, there were some people questioning Paul's ministry, questioning his method, questioning his success, questioning his approach. And he wants to remind them that this ministry is not theirs, it's God's. And he gave it to them by mercy, the text says. He tells them this in order to remind them to not lose heart when things are hard, when things are bad, when things get tough. That God gave us this ministry by his mercy. And so when things get tough, hold on because it's God's ministry. He wants them and he wants us to know that no matter what we face tomorrow, we can't give up. Because God, listen, God is more invested in this church and in this ministry than we are. God is more invested here than we are. And if God is in this, he will be the one that makes it truly successful. Fellowship Baptist Church has been through ups and downs. It's been through hard times over the years as every church has. There have been times when finances were tight. There are, and God saw us through. There have been times of relational strife and God worked reconciliation in people's lives. There have been times of great need, and God has raised up new leaders to serve. He has been faithful for 50 years, and we have every reason to believe he will be faithful for the next 50. We all know that there are tough days ahead. We all know that there are tough days ahead, just as Ron talked about. How the world is hurting, it's aching, it's a dark and scary place out there sometimes. There are a lot of hot topic issues that our culture, uh, it, it seems like it's coming to a boiling point. And at some point, we're going to have to take a stand on different things, and it may hurt us. There are problems and issues coming that we don't even see on the horizon yet. There are trials and tribulations coming that we don't even see. But Jesus does. Jesus sees them coming. And I like to say he doesn't drive an ambulance. He doesn't respond to crisis. He doesn't, he's not going to be surprised like we are when that next trial comes for us. He's seen it a long way off, and he's already seen us through it. I said this already, but I want to commend to you those charter members and those who 49 years, 50 years that we honored earlier. They have seen this church through thick and thin. They have served. They have given financially. They have grieved in hard times, and they stuck around and they never gave up. They have set the model for us, a model worth emulating. Find a church and stick it out. Find a church and stick it out through the good and through the hard times, because it is people like that and many more who have done the same thing for 10 years, for 20 years, for 30 years. People in this room who have stuck it out through thick and thin, through 30 years, then it is people like that that make a strong church. Pick a church and stick with it in the good times and the bad. You see, a church with a bright future is one who can face hard days, who can face when things don't go their way, who can face not getting their preferences and not giving up. Number two, a church with a bright future is a church that is rooted in the Bible. A church with a bright future is a church rooted, committed to, unwaveringly, Rooted in God's word in the Bible. Verse 2 said, But we have renounced disgraceful underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word. We refuse to tamper with God's word. 
but by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. In Paul's day, there were people going around trying to win converts, manipulating and compromising on the truth. Well, nothing has changed in 2,000 years because there are churches and ministries and organizations today, some in our very own city, who would say whatever they need to say to reach the next generation, who would compromise on the truth, who would water down the truth in order to reach the next generation. We here at Fellowship Baptist Church, we want to reach young families. We want to reach lost people. And sometimes people would say, if you want to do that, if you want to reach young families, you want to reach lost people, well, you got to make your worship service shorter. You gotta, you, you know, you gotta make kids ministry like Nickelodeon. You gotta, you gotta have less Bible teaching and more, more, you know, three practical tips for your marriage. You need to talk less about the bloody cross, and you need to talk more about love and your enneagram number. But I think that could not be further from the truth. I am convinced that if we want to reach young families, if we want to reach young lost people. It will not be by watering down the message of the Bible. It will not be by making the Bible fit our modern sensibilities. We will reach them with the timeless truths of God's word that were true 50 years ago and 1,000 years ago and 2,000 years ago and will be true 2,000 years from now. What young people are hungry for is not Christianity light, but rather the full counsel of the word of God which gives them a revolutionary worldview, answers real, deep, hard questions about the world and their everyday life. If we water down the message in order to win people to Jesus, we will lose the very power needed to save them. In verse 2, Paul is essentially saying, anyone can draw a crowd and make it fun, make it relevant, and people will show up. But the only way to build a church, the only way to build a church that has a bright future is to build it on the foundation of God's word. I don't know who said it first, but there's a quote that everybody uses that says, what you win them to, or what you win them with, is what you win them to. What you win them with is what you win them to. If we win people to our church with a watered-down Jesus, they will leave when we give them the real one. If we win them with fun and games, they will leave when the fun and games are over. But if we win people with the inspired, inerrant, infallible word of the living God, if we do not waver on the truth, but if we speak the truth in love, then when we win people, they will stick around. They will link arms with us. They will become part of our family. And they will become fully mature followers of Jesus and take us in to the next generation. If we want to build upon the legacy of this church, if we want to honor those who came before us, we must be rooted in the Bible. Because it is the Bible that has power. It is the Bible that changes people's lives. It is the Bible that grows a church. And that's been God's plan for 2,000 years, and we are not high enough on the totem pole to change that now. When we come to the Bible, we often encounter hard things, hard truths. But it is our job to always change and conform to the Bible, not change and conform the Bible to fit us. It's really easy to try to do that. It's really easy to try to make the Bible fit what I wanted to say. I've tried. It's really hard to lay my opinions, to lay my preferences, to lay my thoughts and ideas at the feet of Jesus and let his word instruct me and change me. But if we want to be a church with a bright future and build on the legacy of the past, that is exactly what we have to do. Three, a church with a bright future is a church that loves lost people. 
both Gary and Ron's charge to us was to love lost people, to get after them in Jesus' name. Verses 3 and 4 said, And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel and the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. When we wrote our new mission statement and our core values uh, a little over a year ago, we knew that we wanted to make one of them centrally about reaching lost people because that is the core of who we are as followers of Jesus. We want to be a church that grows primarily, not through getting people from other churches to say, hey, we've got a better show than, than they do over there, come over here. Rather, we want to be a church that is primarily reaching people who didn't know Jesus before they got here and then they knew him after. We want to reach people through conversion primarily. So that is why at the core of who we are, we say a core value is that every member a missionary. Every member is a missionary. We don't want to see it as the pastor's job or the really spiritual, mature people's job to reach people. Rather, it is every member of our church. Every member of our church should see where they work, live, and play as their mission field. And in order to see those areas as mission fields, in order to actually reach those people, like Ron talked about, who are hurting, we have to love them. And let's be honest, sometimes it's hard to love lost people. Sometimes it's hard because most likely those lost people, their values are different than yours. Their, their values are very different. Their politics might be different. Their personalities and the way they live life might be very different. Their morality is probably very different. They might talk like a sailor and live however they want. But when we see them, when they come through these doors, our hearts must never recoil away from them but rather burst and overflowing toward them, just as Jesus' heart is to us. Charles Spurgeon said it best, the Prince of Preachers, when he said, there are, Christians are either missionaries or imposters. Christians are either missionaries or imposters. Because at the core of what Jesus called us to do is to reach people with the gospel, just as we were reached. As I think about this, I think about the missionary David Livingston who left his comfortable home in, in England and left to go to Africa. And over the course of his life, he traveled pretty much the entire continent of Africa, creating roads and trails to all of these different villages. He literally fought off a lion for his life, fought for his life being sick multiple times. But he, he reached tribe after tribe after tribe after tribe in Africa. And when he died, the African tribe that he was with when he died cut his chest open ripped out his heart, and buried it by a tree in their village. And they sent his body back to England and said, you can have his body, but his heart belongs to Africa. May that be said about us. We don't have to cross an ocean to be missionaries. All we got to do is leave our house. And sometimes, not even that, we can bring them in our house. Where you work, where you live, and where you play. Let our passion drive us to lost people so that when we die it may be said that our heart belonged to them four a church of the bright future is a church that is not self-centered a church that is not self-centered verse five for what we proclaim is not ourselves what we proclaim is not ourselves my father-in-law is a pastor in indiana and uh, he just recently went to meet with this dying church just not too far away from them. And it was dwindling and dwindling. They used to have a few hundred people, and now they were down to ten members. 
They could barely afford to keep the lights on. They had no plans, no strategy to, to change that or to look forward. And so they contacted them because they were interested on what it might look like for them to become a campus or a replant from my father-in-law's church. And my father-in-law said, yeah, you know, we, we can do that. We can come in here. We can put some money in a place, remodel a place. We'll pay for a, a, a campus pastor or a planting pastor, send some people to, over here to start attending here, and we can bring it back to life and, and see ministry happen, get it back on its feet and, feet and reach the community. And after he kind of presented their plan of what they would do if they wanted to, every question for the next few hours was, well, are you going to change the music? Well, are you going to take out the pews? Because I've heard when they do this, they take out the pews. Are you going to change the flow of the service? Are you going to do this? Are you going to do that? Are you going to, you, really, really, you just want to come in here and change everything, don't you? And very kindly and gently he said yes, because the reality is this church is dead. And if you don't change, there is no future here. And somebody will buy this property from the bank and they'll put a subdivision on it. We want, and we know that you want, to see this property used for the kingdom of God. To which they said, yeah, but you want to come in and change how we do things. You want to change our history. You want to change all this stuff. And he said, yeah, because what you're doing is not working. Sadly, there are churches like that all over the country. And the problem is, at its core, they're inward focused. They're inward focused, worrying about themselves, their preferences, what they're concerned about, their wants. Their concern isn't to reach the community for Jesus. Their concern is what makes me happy, what I like, what I prefer. And can I just say that I'm so thankful that our church has not been that way. Can I say I'm so thankful that our church has not been that way. Ever since I got here, our church's attitude has been this. And there is nothing a pastor could ask for that is a greater gift than this. And literally people have said this to me. Pastor, tell us where you want to go. Lead us. Tell us where we need to go. Tell us what we need to do and we'll go. I mean, goodness gracious, what a blessing that is for me. What a blessing that has been for our church that we've been able to take the steps needed in order to better reach our community and in order to, to reach out to lost people. A church that is not self-centered, that is not inward focused, can care more about reaching lost people and discipling people and reaching young families and discipling families. And you have made sacrifices here at this church. You have sacrificed your wants. You have sacrificed your preferences, the way things used to be. And you, and you haven't complained very much. <laughs> but rather, you've smiled with a grateful heart and are grateful for what we're doing. And can I tell you, that is the mark of a church with a bright future. I am amazed to learn that in our church's 50-year history, it's had five pastors like the average tenure of a pastor, I think, is three years. Something like that. In 50 years, it's had five. That's unheard of. And I think it is a testament to how awesome the people in this church are to serve alongside of. When you're inward-focused and self-centered, the church becomes a community center. It becomes a club. But when you're outward-focused... When you sacrifice your preference, when we become a beacon of light in the darkness, we become an embassy of hope in the wilderness. We become an effective church that will continue to reach the community for years to come. Our community here in Hoptown, I want to bring that back. Our community looks different today than it did 50 years ago because this church is faithfulness to minister to it. Because we've been an embassy of hope right here in the middle of it. Guys, we could not 
be more strategically located in the fastest growing township in Ohio, right next to where the Super Kroger is about to go. Sorry, Super Kroger's. God has us here for a reason and purpose. He's going to use us, and I can't wait to see what happens 50 years from now. Five, finally, a church with a bright future is a church that keeps its eyes on Jesus. But Jesus Christ as Lord with, our, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake, verse 6, for God who said, let light shine out in the darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. One of our core values is to be rooted in the gospel, which is another way of saying let's keep our eyes on Jesus. It is the gospel that centers us. It is the gospel that keeps us on the right path. If you've ever driving down the road and you see a car, you know, it's in the middle of the day, and you see a car kind of, kind of slowly swerving this way and this way, you probably think to yourself, somebody's texting. Some teenager up there is texting. When their focus is on the road, they keep it between the lines. But when they look down and focus on something else, they drift to the right and drift to the left. In the same way, when we take our eyes off Jesus, we drift to the right and to the left. We drift away from the gospel. We can become a legalistic culture, focusing more on rules and how things should be done. And we miss the grace and the joy Jesus offers because we become calloused and cold and just worried about that nobody wears a hat in church. We, on the other end, we can become licentious, saying, do whatever you want. Live however you want. You're free. Do whatever you want. You have a get-out-of-hell-free card. It does, nothing matters. The gospel centers us away from that. The gospel centers us from becoming an unforgiving cold church. It, it centers us from becoming overly pragmatic and sacrificing the message for the means. It keeps us from becoming the social cub, club. It keeps us from twisting scripture to fit life and our values the way we want them to fit. When we take our eyes off of Jesus, we get off the clear path he wants us to be on. But when we stay locked in, locked on to Jesus... When we stay on the path, we don't fall to one of those ditches. We find ourselves exactly where he wants us to be. On mission to make Jesus essential in the hearts, lives, and homes of everyone within our reach. Meaning, we make Jesus essential in every area of our lives. That's our mission statement now. Every area of our lives. The way we're a husband or a wife. We want to make Jesus essential in the way we manage our money, essential in the way we approach work, essential in how we parent our children, essential in how you date, essential in how you think about and approach your friends, essential for every area in your life. And the only way to do that is to keep our gaze on him. And it's slowly and slowly, baby step by baby step, we'll become more and more and more like Jesus and shine brighter for the world to see. Fellowship Baptist Church is a church with a rich legacy. We've seen that. This morning we honor those who came before us. We stand on their shoulders. We would not be here without the work that God used in and through them. This is a church with a rich legacy. Because of all of these marks, these five marks have been marks of this church from the beginning. But I believe with all of my heart that fellowship's best days are still ahead of her. Fellowship's brightest days are still ahead. We have a long way to go. We have a lot of work to do, a lot of people to reach, and God is not done with us yet. And if we remain a church that does not give up in hard times, a church that is rooted in the Bible, no matter how the cultural winds change, if we have a passion and love for lost people, if we continue to, be, uh, to not be self-centered, 
And if we continue to keep our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, then Fellowship Baptist Church has an incredibly bright future. Fifty years ago, when those founding members got together, I can scarcely imagine what they were dreaming of. I cannot fathom what they were dreaming. But could they have seen, did they have it in their mind's eye of all that God would do through that Forester, that's how that guy said it, Forester Baptist Chapel. Could they see all that God was going to do? I don't know how, I don't know what the lady's name was in the video that we watched earlier, but she said this. She said it's going to take a lot of hard work and dedicated members to keep it going. That's what we've had, and that's what we need. Because it's going to take a lot of hard work and a lot of dedicated members to keep it going. Fellowship, I believe we have that. And I can scarcely imagine or fathom what God is going to do in 50 years from now and how he's going to use us. And I hope I'm, I hope I'm still alive to stand here in 100 years and look back and be amazed at all God did in and through you. I believe we're a church with a bright future. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for what a strong legacy, what a rich legacy we have. In this church, the people who have faithfully labored day in and day out, sacrificing, giving, serving, using their gifts, pouring out, sacrificing time to minister to the community, to minister to children and youth, to to care for families and care for people, to teach the Bible, to make disciples, to send missionaries. Father, we're thankful for the work we We give you the glory for it, give you the honor for it, give you the praise for it. But God, we pray for the 50 more. God, we pray that the the next 50 would be a double portion like Elisha prayed. That you'd give us a double blessing of what you've already given. That you would use us twice, uh, twice fold. That you would help us to reach more and more people. Be a light in the darkness. See many more families discipled and begin to follow Jesus faithfully. Father, give us faithful members who will work hard and be dedicated through thick and thin. Help us not to give up. Help us be rooted in the Bible. Help us not to be self-centered. Help us to keep our eyes on Jesus and help us to love lost people. God, we love you so much. We're thankful in Jesus' name. All those people said, we'll stand and sing together.